Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, it's nine o'clock on a Friday night here in the UK. Matt is in Malaga, where it is 10pm on a Friday night. Hello, Matt. Hello. We officially had an early finish today. I think I think we can call today an early finish. So here I am. Yeah, this is a delightfully early recording. And yet, I would like to introduce you folks to... Two and a bit beers law joining us from <laughs> Solihull. Hello, David. Hello. He has, quote, watched 20 minutes of tennis today, but he's had two and a bit beers and he's here and we could not be more thrilled. Yeah, I'm well into the third and uh, very much enjoying it. Uh, yes, I've, I've kept a, 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 an eye on the tennis as the day has gone on uh, via the wonders of mobile phone technology and... Um, Whilst my hands were freezing on the side of the football pitch while my son was playing, <laughs> I did I did have uh, Emil Rusevori <laughs> trying his damnedest um, on on it for a small amount of time. Um, but yes, I, I may be somewhat leaning on Mount Roberts like I've been doing every single day of the week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's clear to everyone li- listening who's doing the heavy lifting in terms of takes uh, this Davis Cup week. David and I are... We're mere accoutrement this this week. Thank goodness for you, Matt, in Malaga, where the Finland fun is over. RIP the Finland fun. It was good while it lasted, but the damnedest, the aforementioned damnedest of Emil Roussevori just wasn't enough, Matt. Australia are into the Davis Cup finals final. They are, and actually when I got to site this afternoon, they were practising the Australian team on the court. And it was obviously happening at the same time that they were testing out the graphics on the centre court. So while they were practising, there was a graphic going round pre-tie saying Australia advances to the Davis Cup finals. And, and, I, and I thought, oh, that's... That's a bit harsh on on Finland. And then it also made me think of uh, the first time that that Bruce Springsteen played uh, the Hammersmith Odeon in 1975. It was his first European tour and he got to the he got to the arena and he saw a load of posters that said London is ready for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And it pissed him off. So he, he, 
he ripped them all down and he said, they will be the judge of whether or not London is ready for me. Once I've performed my show, let's not, let's not already assume that they're, that they're going to like me. You know, I need to perform. And, and I could imagine Leighton Hewitt being a bit annoyed with, with that graphic going around, thinking, hang on, nothing's done yet. That's, that's very much his attitude, isn't it? But those, those graphic people had the right one prepared because Australia did win. It was a pretty comprehensive victory really over over Finland and as you know Finland have been incredible in this Davis Cup but it was just a step too far really today yeah uh, yeah a bridge too far sad not to see deciding deciding doubles just as we we were disappointed yesterday with Serbia and GB but it was it was the right result wasn't it it was um i wouldn't quite get advised to say one-sided but they were decisive victors in in both ties alexi popper in against otto vertinen i suppose you could say that there is an alternate universe in which otto vertinen won that opening set matt is that is that the what if mm. of this tie big time big time because that was that was Maybe the lowest quality set of the day, but certainly the most intriguing and the one where it did feel like the tie was was really in the balance. I mean, first of all, just quite interesting that Alexi Popperin was chosen ahead of uh, Jordan Thompson, who who played the other day. And I think it's interesting because he's really been on the periphery of the Australian Davis Cup squad. He, he has not been a mainstay whatsoever. He hadn't played a hadn't played a match for a, for a couple of years. Had, had had never won a live Davis Cup singles match, uh, and suddenly he's thrown in in you know in the semi-finals in kind of the must-win of of the tie. Really, you know, because you know had they not won that they probably find themselves in a tricky doubles later on. So, you know, a, a really important moment. And he went with Alexi Popper in. And to begin with, I thought maybe dropped a bit of a clangor because Popper in was as tight as a drum through most of that first set. I mean, even even in the warm-up, I I texted you you two <laughs> saying... He's dumped multiple backhands in the bottom of the net here, Popperin. You know, just total sign of tightness. And he said afterwards that he had never felt nerves like it. He said, he, he said, I thought I was ready for the Davis Cup, but then I stepped out there and I heard all the Finnish chants and I heard the little section of Australian fans chanting. And he said he just was sort of overtaken by nerves. And you could really tell that in that first set where... Otto Vertinen was the better player overall. And it really came down to the 11th game, uh, sorry, the 12th game, Popperin serving to take it into a tie break. And Popperin could not buy a first serve on the ad side. And yet every single time, Vertinen missed the return at uh, Love 15, at 15.30, and then on his set point at 30.40, Burton and missed a forehand return. And it was a slightly good, bold play from from Popperin to mix up the serve. He'd been going to the backhand. He went to the forehand on the set point. It maybe caught Vertonen by surprise, but Vertonen will miss, will rue all those all those missed returns for sure. That was it. That was the small moment in the tie, I think, where it could have gone Finland's way. But he couldn't he couldn't quite take advantage. 
Um, and then once Popperin had that first set in the bag, I, th- I felt like he freed up and opened his shoulders and, and, and played a much better second set, whereas whereas Vertonen was a little bit deflated having not won that first set. But yeah, I completely agree. It was it was in the balance in that first set. And I think Otto Vertonen will have a few regrets. You definitely can't tell how well someone's going to play from a warm-up ever, can you? Because all, all pros... Mm can and should look brilliant in a warm up but you can you you can tell if someone if someone's about to have a shocker or is going to kick off having a shocker because pros should not be dumping any shots into the into the bottom of the net we we quite often remark to one another don't we oh my god that's the shot that pros just don't hit um, and yeah, that's that's a bit of a telltale sign, isn't it? And what a gift to your opponent! Imagine you're in a knockup with someone, and they're <laughs> d- dumping dumping rally ball ground strokes into the bottom of the net. It must just be like a, a boost of adrenaline. It's funny, Popperin not being a Davis Cup guy up to this point, David. I don't know what you think about this because it. He clearly hasn't been. He clearly hasn't. But, you know, in the way that we were talking about Alex de Menor just being Leighton Hewitt's guy, just trusts him completely. Okay, he might not win every single match, but he trusts him to do it the Davis Cup way and bear it all out there. Obviously, he just doesn't trust Alexi Popper in in the same way. And, you know, he's not a good, not as good a player as, as Alex de Menor. The rankings show that. But... He is somebody that's had his best results in Australia, which you would sort of think maybe those circumstances recreate Davis Cup circumstances more closely than, you know, an Australian playing in Madrid or something. You know, raucous crowds, okay, a lot more Australian support than you're going to get in Malacca, but kind of representing your country in a way that you're not when you're playing the US Open or whatever. I don't know. I, I It's a... It surprised me to see that he just hadn't been a Davis Cup guy for Leighton Hewitt. And I'm sort of glad he's had the opportunity to prove that he can be. Yeah, and I think that that is the the, the factor. Until you've played, you can't prove that you're that guy because there's no data at all. There's nothing comparable, really. I think you've made a fair point there that the closest thing to it is probably playing at home when you're ex- when there's a lot of hope around you. And he's kind of delivered in some of those situations. And it, and it, what was really impressive to me is he got over the tightness and he got over the fact that he was on the brink of losing that first set. And once he'd won that first set, he's the guy who hit the accelerator. And, you know, Vertonen actually hit more forehand winners, I think, in the course of the match than, than Poprin did. But he weathered that, he, he coped with that. And then when he needed to, he brought his own hammer down and... And I think that he would have proved something to Hewitt out there today about himself, that there's there's something to him. And and I just, I think that Alexei Popper, and you say he's not as good a player as Alex Dimonor, absolutely correct, given the rankings and the, the pedigree and the experience and the results. But he should be. He should be as good as Alex Dimonor. Different. But my God, this guy's got a good game. He's six foot five or whatever it is. He he hits the ball so hard. He moves all right for for a guy of his size. He's forty in the world, right? It's one below his career high. He should be capable of better than that. And this could be the launch pad. Spending time with Hewitt, 
proving to Hewitt that with the green and gold on on his back that he's a he's better than he was without it. And and I I actually love listening to Alexi Popperin in post match on court flash interviews. I think he gives himself to you. He tells you how he's feeling. He's 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 actually very quite eloquent in in how much information he gives you and how much emotion he gives you and and I I warm to him when I hear him talk and I'd really like to see him become relevant a lot more often in fact <laughs> I think he's on the outskirts of the wish list he's not in it but he's on the outskirts he's he's sort of you know periphery wow what does he need to do to get on the wish list win the davis cup well yeah because I think he did he he either reached a final or won a title last he year. He won Umag earlier this year. He beat um, he beat Stan Wawrinka I... in in the final when everyone in the crowd was going yes. for Stan Wawrinka, you know, because they wanted to to see it. And he said yeah. Wawrinka's and... his hero, didn't he, on the court in the interview? And it was just so lovely, and he, he had such a way with words. And I I really and, warmed and to I him. And I thought that there, therefore it was interesting today how he how he was really describing this win today against. World number 171, Otto Vertonen, as the best win of his life. When you've got a direct comparison with earlier in the year where he's actually won something, you know, this was only the semi-final versus the final. He's beaten a sort of legend of the sport in, in Stan Wawrinka in that final. And yet he counts this as as the bigger moment. And I wondered whether that was an in-the-moment thing sort of on the court, but he really doubled down on it in the press conference when he'd had a little bit, bit of time to reflect and he was just really talking up the Davis Cup. So I sort of asked him, well, has it been a disappointment and a frustration for you that you haven't been part of Leighton Hewitt's team before, really, quite so much? And and he said and he said, No, we all you know, we all trust the captain. He's got a lot of players to pick from. And I I needed to to show him a little bit more. So then I asked Leighton Hewitt well, what has Popperin shown you? You know, because this it's a big leap to go from not being in the squad this time last week. You know, he he, he wasn't in the squad. He replaced um, he replaced Kokonakis at the last minute. It's a big leap to go from that to you're my guy for the semi final. And I think I think Hewitt said it was a lot to do with matchups. You know, the fact that he'd beaten Otto Wittenden earlier this year gave gave Hewitt some confidence. But more generally, he talked about how he feels like he's seen a development from Popper in this year. You know, that that career high came this year. He he specifically mentioned that win over Taylor Fritz at the Australian Open as an example of sort of what Poppering can do under those sorts of conditions and circumstances. And and he talked about his run in the summer, I think in Cincinnati, he did pretty well as well. So he, clearly Hewitt has been impressed and he had him with the team during the group stages in Manchester. He didn't use him, but he had him sort of on the sidelines, hitting with them all, practicing. And I think Hewitt Hewitt basically runs these kind of training camps before a before a Davis Cup tie. And he needs to see these players putting in all the effort. And clearly Popperin has has shown that and just earned his place and earned his call. And um yeah, he, he, I'm, I'm really pleased for him that he delivered on it, actually, because, you know, that would have been a tough loss to to suddenly get the call up and then lose. You know, does that set you back in terms of getting into future teams? But he, he, he was tight in that first set, but he overcame those nerves and then 
got the win. So I think he's very much in contention to play again in in the final in in two days' time. In contention, do you, do you expect him to play? Would you be surprised? Is he in the mix? Would you be surprised <laughs> if he didn't play in the final? I think I would be. He should I, I, play. I think so, yeah. Yes, I think I would go with him. I mean, he was he was very tight. And whether he's able to to come out on court in the final and not be tight, I think I think will be a big question because whoever Australia play in the final, he'll be playing a higher quality of opponent than Otto Vertonen, even as well as Otto Vertonen has done in, in Davis Cup this year. Um, I was, I guess I was quite convinced by Hewitt talking about matchups. So I, I do think that that ultimately will be the decision. I don't know what the head-to-heads are and, and everything. But equally, Italy and, and Serbia, you don't really know who their number two is, is going to be. Mm. So if you're going too much on matchups, you could you could get that wrong. So maybe you need to just have a gut feeling and, and trust the guy. And yeah, I certainly think Popperin has got a higher ceiling than Jordan Thompson, for example. Like I think I think Popperin can can hit higher heights with his tennis, and if if that's what you want, then he's your guy. But if if you want a guy who's going to be a solid seven out of ten, guaranteed, no, then it's Thompson. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think you need to go out there and try and win it, especially because Dumanor is not going to be the favourite in in his singles, which is a which is a switch mm. for Australia. They're used to being able to rely on on Dumanor, but. You know, he he may well if if there's any competition where Dumanor can get a really big win like that, it probably is this one. But you feel like they're going to need to win that that second that number two singles. Yeah, it's a fun dynamic, isn't it? Kind of going from for someone like Alex Dumanor and the Australian team, as you say, wherever they play in the final, whether it's Italy or Djokovic, they're going to go from Alex Dumanor being the talisman the the breadwinner of that team to potentially being a bit of a, an irrelevance you know that australia were going to go into that final assuming they lose the number 1 singles and focusing on winning the number 2 and the doubles right absolute brucey bonus if if alex dimonor wins wins that but but they have to plan on him not and that's so different to to every match up until this point. Yeah, and they ran into that issue last year, you know, where Dumanor was... He, he's such a good number one to have because he always shows up. He never lets you down. He he wins the matches he's expected to win. Um, I was speaking to someone today and they were telling me that, you know, he had a chance to go to Turin as an alternate and, you know, and, and be one of the replacements. But... He didn't do that because he was already doing his Davis Cup training camp. And, and that was a, you know, he, he, he turned down a lot of money there. You know, he would have got a big paycheck for showing up as an alternate. It, it, it is money for nothing being <laughs> yeah. an alternate at the, at the ATP and, finals. And, it is a massive payday yeah, for a holiday in Turin. I, I always, always think of Richard <laughs> Krejcik just sitting there in the player lounge yeah. having had a week's worth of gorgeous Hanover <laughs> player lounge food. They used to have an incredible chef. And I remember just when I think it was the final group match went on court, sitting in there, and he just said, right, they've played the first <laughs> point, I'm off. Off to the airport. Yep. <laughs> See you later. That's the size of it. Mm. 
And, you know, I think I think some players would have left their Davis Cup training camp to go to that, but not Alex Dumanor, you know. So he's such a good, reliable number one to have because of all of this, you know. He shows up always. But, you know, last year in the final, he ran into Felix Auger-Aliassime playing the best ten- tennis of his life. And this year he's going to run into either either Yannick Sinner or, or Novak Djokovic playing pretty much the best tennis of their lives. And and so absolutely the whole dynamic of that team shifts and, and changes and it and it becomes massively important that they win that that number two singles. And last year they didn't in the final. And you know, they've gotta they've gotta make sure that that they do win that because then they've got a great doubles team, Australia. So they can they can always sort of pull it back in the doubles, but they've got to get to the doubles. I do like that no matter who Australia end up playing in the final now, Italy or Serbia, if it goes down to the, the doubles, we will get a doubles team against a cobbled together hmm. uh, couple of singles players makeshifting as a doubles team, which is my favourite dynamic on a doubles court. Yeah. Seeing if two great individuals can be superior to a great team. I I love that. I love seeing that play out. So please let the final go to a deciding doubles. Um, We should probably talk for a a quick moment about uh, Emil Rosavori. Um, and Alex de because there was a moment there, wasn't there? I mean, after Otto Vertonen failed to failed to pull it off against Alexi Popper, and you're thinking, oh no, it's all over Finland, uh, because obviously Emil Rusevori is going to come out here in a full body cast, and uh, the jig is going to be up. But but no, Emil Rusevori bounces out onto court and immediately goes a break up, and I'm going, well, I'm literally texting the group, going, hang on a minute. Shoulder injury? Um, what shoulder injury? It's all yeah, been a ruse. This could be on. Um, but it wasn't on. But I don't think it wasn't on because Emil Savori was injured. I, d- I mean, I don't know. It certainly wasn't entirely because of that. Like, it, it felt like a tennis match. It didn't feel like an injured person there to make up the numbers to prevent Patrick... Kalkavalta from from having to take to the court. It felt like a proper tennis match, at least. Yes, I I don't think he was injured, but he was he wasn't at a hundred percent. And I think he he sort of analysed it in the press conference as he didn't he didn't just he didn't quite have the power in his arm that he normally does. And I think that was most evident on the serve. He just wasn't getting his serve speed up to what it can usually be. And I think I think he just thought I need to tee off here and hope that they go in. And w- when they did, he was electric. You know, some of the some of the shot making was absolutely brilliant, but it was very tough to sustain that for such a long period of time, especially against someone who defends as well as Alex Dimonor and gets as many balls back as he does and I think on on this court where it's staying really low, it's it's great for Alex Dumanor because he hits it so flat, and and I think Rusevori sort of sometimes sometimes struggled with that. So, you know, it was it was a com- competitive match for sure. Um, there was a brilliant 
game in the second set where Rusevori staved off so many break points. And I thought, okay, maybe this is going to put a bit of pressure on Alex Dumanor. You know, he thought he was going to be a double breakup. He's still only a breakup. How is he going to cope with that? And the answer was brilliantly. I mean, Alex Dumanor was just absolutely unfazed by everything today. He was really focused, really good. And uh, yeah, just just got the job done. But um, not... Not Rusevori at full strength, but still still a very good, impressive performance from, from Alex Dumanor, as we've come to expect. So Australia through to the final, exactly where they were last year. Did 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 Leighton Hewitt have sort of any any reflect I suppose it's it's quite a tough press conference without them knowing who they're gonna play in that final, right? Tough for them to tough for Leighton Hewitt to to say too much, I suppose. Was there anything hugely insightful learnings from last year? I mean, it's such a different, it's such a different, or it feels to me like such a different situation. Well, I don't know. I mean, as I said, I think it's, I think it's quite a similar situation in that they need to win that number two singles because I mean, they did last year as well because, okay, it was closer. You know, I think, I think Dumanor or Jaliasim, Maybe you slightly favoured Auger Aliassime, but you, you felt like Dimonor had a real shot in that one. He's he's 0-4 against Sinner on the tour, and he's 0-1 against Djokovic, that one coming earlier this year in, in, in the Australian Open when Djokovic absolutely crushed him. It felt like he was making a point out of Alex Dimonor, I remember. Gosh, yeah, oh, that match. I'll never forget that. So, look. Those are and he, tough and, and Dimonor was in great form, wasn't yeah. he? The Aussies were really bigging it up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He wanted to, yeah, humiliate him. So if Leighton Hewitt really is picking on matchups, then it's out with Dimonor. <laughs> I I just I think Leighton Hewitt's a heart guy, isn't he? He's going to go with the guys he trusts. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't look at the matchups, of course. But ultimately, he's not going to let a matchup, a head-to-head, overrule his heart. I think he trusts everyone in that team. He has put a lot of faith. Kokonakis. Well, he's not in the team. He's been replaced by Popperin. So it's no, yeah. So it's it's Thompson or so he didn't trust Kokonakis. <laughs> okay, I mean Purcell can play can play. Kokonakis is injured, right? Yeah. Kokonakis is out with an ankle injury, and and he didn't have the. He didn't have the best of times no. last year, as I recall, in in the uh, in the finals. And and I actually thought, I think I'd been campaigning for for Jordan Thompson to get the nod in the final um, against Shapovalov. I think on that occasion, um, I just think that Popperin looks dangerous, and I would I would trust him based on today. I know he was really nervous, but he kind of he overcame that. And he looks like a big time player to me. He 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 seems to struggle to to knit it all together to do as well as he can. And and like I think you I think you might have looked, didn't you lose to Ben Shelton at the Australian Open in the end? I, I think when Shelton was having his run, I can't exactly remember, but I just think Popperin should be doing more. And this is such mm. a great opportunity for him. And and whilst I like Jordan Thompson, I just he he he! You're right about the seven out of ten thing. He's it's not it's not enough. You need to you want to have that thing on your racket. 
Somebody needs to have mm. it on their racket. And Diminor is not going to have it on his racket against those top two option players for, for Italy or Serbia. And, you know, that would be my Three view. Three beers it. law is an Alexi Popperin guy. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, I I completely agree. And on on the nerves thing, I I mean, fangs aren't about not feeling the fear, are they? Fangs are about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Um. So, yeah, you can you can kind of see that both ways, can't you? The fact that he fought through that, okay, he's going to have to fight through it against tougher opposition in the final. But I think that's overall the tick in the plus Alexi Popperin column. I've drank David David's Alexi Popperin Kool-Aid, haven't I? <laughs> Delicious. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Um, so what about you did you did some previewing of Italy against Serbia and Djokovic against Sinner and TBC against TBC um, yes on yesterday's pod do we have any do we have any further thoughts well I have I have a little bit of reporting coming out of Italy Ooh. in that Valandri has said in Italian and look Maybe maybe he said this to throw people off, but it sounds like Sonigo is not in line to play singles. Boo. It sounds like he's not quite fully healthy and they don't okay. think they don't think he can play singles and then the doubles. And they I think want okay. want to Fair. you know, I think they want Sinner and Sonigo in the doubles if they can get it there. So it, it sounds like and again, always got to take take some of this with a pinch of salt. When you know Sonigo's named at named in the nominations at eleven o'clock tomorrow, you can you can just ignore all this <laughs> section of the podcast. But anyway, it sounds like a shootout between Arnaldi and Mazzetti for that number two Italian singles, which feels so pivotal. 
See, that is quite crucial intel, I think, because prior to that intel, I was I was going to make a case for Sonigo. But if he's not fully fit to play two, I agree um, you need to keep that doubles team together because it very well could, could be crucial. Who'd you go for? At those two. I don't think... I'm going on now. I don't think Mazzetti is a Davis Cup guy. Like, I... I don't trust him. I know the only way he can prove it uh, is by doing it, and he has to be given a chance to do it. But I, I don't give him. I don't trust him enough to give him a chance. I, I think Mazzetti is a beautiful tennis player, but a fang-free zone. That is how I feel about Lorenzo Mazzetti right now. I hope he shows fang, develops, grows, whatever fang over the course of his career. No one would love to see it more than me. I'm. I'm yet to see it, and I wouldn't be putting a fang-free player into that situation personally. The scar tissue of yesterday worries me a bit about Arnaldi, but then that's when a that's when a captain earns their money, isn't it? That's when you know I don't really know much about what Felipe Overlandry is like as a as a hype man. Is he is he a David Law voice note guy? Um, but he's got a he's got to somehow nullify that scar tissue from yesterday. Losing from, usually if you lose from match point up, you have more than two days to try and recover from it before you before you play your next match. That is tough, I think. He, but, but he's delighted with his performance. <laughs> but he's delighted with his performance, which, as you correctly assessed on last night's podcast, I'm not impressed with <laughs> and also suggests a fang-free zone. Uh, Probably the best way to deal with the trauma, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Basically, long-winded way of saying, I'd rather Sonigo was up for it or Berrettini was fit, but between those two, I'd probably just about edge Arnaldi. Yeah. Matt? I think I would be going Arnaldi as well. Uh, he d- he did a lot right against Baltic van der Zanskul. He really did. You know, there were there were very good elements of his performance for sure. Um, and I agree with you about Mazzetti. And it, and he has had a bit of a chance in this competition. You know, okay, not this week, but he has played Davis Cup before. He's got a losing record in in singles. He's lost his last three in this competition in singles. Um, he's lost. Well, he's only won one of his last seven matches. Period. And that was against Karen Hatchinov, who just won the title in in Zhuhai, and they then played in Beijing. So, you know, his one win out of his last seven matches is against a tired Karen Hatchinov. This is quite a fast surface, I think, and generally I don't think of Mazzetti as as thriving on those. The only the only case I can make for Mazzetti is he has a two and zero head to head against Ketsmanovic, which. Doesn't feel huge, but doesn't feel like nothing. Like I, I, I do think that Ketsmanovic enjoyed playing Draper because of the rhythm that Draper gave him. You know, he was mm. able to just tee off and and hit big. And Mazzetti won't give you that because he's got the slice backhand, and and I think he can disrupt a little bit. However, <laughs> what I absolutely love about the sort of Davis Cup and what the nominations might be, and wh- whether there's some bluffing or double bluffing going on. It would be it would be quite amusing if 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 Italy put Mazzetti out thinking okay, 
he's got the head-to-head against Ketsmanovic. And then Serbia threw a curveball and threw in Gera because Gera's got a great record against Mozetti. He's six and two against Mozetti. <laughs> And you know that's a lot of data, and <laughs> including some some matches on clay, which are you know which, which is Mazzetti's best surface. So there's there's quite a lot that that could go on there in terms of what's Analdi well, against Gerrard. I don't think Analdi's played played either of them. I, I believe. Um, oh. So yeah, maybe that's maybe maybe that's the reason why you go Analdi. You know, to sort of just so that. Serbia don't know because it, it sounded like Serbia picked Ketsmanovic against Draper because he'd already played him and and was and was familiar with him. So maybe Arnaudi as as a bit of a, a sort of wild card for the Serbians would uh, would make sense for Italy to to go with that. Ketsmanovic's head to heads though, I do feel like he's one of those players where they're almost irrelevant because obviously sometimes a different guy shows up. Like, look at some of the losses he's had this year, had recently. Wasn't he on a, didn't he say he'd lost four, his previous four matches before before his win yesterday against Draper? He certainly came in on a on a losing, losing streak. Like, I didn't watch those matches he was losing at tour level before the Davis Cup finals, but he definitely wasn't playing like he did yesterday when he looked like peak Andre Agassi. Like, I do think he's one of those Aslan Karatsev type players that pops up every now and then, looks like the best ball striker of all time and then disappears for four months. And I don't understand players like that, but I do know that they exist (laughs) and they're very difficult to know what to do with in predictions and when, when to play them in Davis Cup ties. Um, but I do. But having said all of that, I don't think you can drop a guy that played like he did yesterday against Draper, personally, head head to heads or not. And I, I certainly don't think you can make that decision based on head to heads when you really don't know who the opposition are going to be playing. Yeah, I, I think if you're Victor Troitsky and. <laughs> By the way, I, I still just find it quite funny that Victor Troitsky's the Serbia captain. I, I, I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> is he really? I mean, who do we think is well, making the, the decisions well, in that team? That, that's a that's a very fair point, I, I would say. And and interestingly, kind of on that, Djokovic isn't staying with the team here. Um, he his brother has a has a house, I believe, in in Marbella, and I, I believe Novak Djokovic is is staying there and he's got his whole family here. And he, he said that was important in terms of helping him to feel fresh at this time of the year, you know, to, to have his parents, his kids. And and I absolutely am sure that that, that is the case. It's just interesting, isn't it? I don't, think, I don't think many teams could get away with their star player not being with them. But, you know, the rules are just a bit different, I think, surrounding Novak Djokovic and the Serbia team. So, yes, I think that probably is a sort of, element here that he, he you know Viktor Troitsky is the captain but Novak Djokovic is in charge and you know I just think if you're them you run Ketsmanovic back don't you because he played he played so well the other night so I, I am expecting Ketsmanovic to line up for Serbia um, and I'm I think I'm expecting Arnaldi for Italy so we all both exp- we all want Arnaldi would we or if we are Felipe Valandri 
would have thought. Um, we're all playing Ketsmanovic and Arnaldi. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what that's what I'd do if I were the two. Personally, captains. I would yeah, like to see sure. Mosetti because I think it would be great pod content material. Win or lose. Could this be the moment that he wins <laughs> Catherine over? Does anyone think Sinner's beating Djokovic? Not me. I loved him yesterday. I I, I I agree with everything you said on the pod and I loved how brilliantly you, you, you summed it up. And I, I do like it when Yannick Sinner shows us something a bit different because just every now and then I do just sort of feel a bit cold about Yannick Sinner. Like I really appreciate what I'm seeing. I can see that it's brilliant, but it just can leave me a bit cold. And then he has a day like he did yesterday and I really felt very warm about him yesterday. It was electrifying and I loved seeing him come alive in that atmosphere and puff his chest out. It was good fun. So I am I am into Davis Cup Yannick Sinner. I just think it's Novak Djokovic um, and it's Novak Djokovic that's just decided he's winning the Davis Cup this year. Yeah, and I think that that is where I'm just having a hesitation because I think he could get a little bit stressed about that because it means so much to him. It's not that he didn't want to win the ATP finals. Of course he did. But look, after the round robin stages for him pretty much finished and it wasn't in his hands, he, he had a day or two off. Good on him. I mean, I, I think that's, that's a healthy way to go about your life. He wasn't that bothered, you know. I mean, once he got into the semifinals... It was like playing with the house's money then because he got through the, right, okay, now I'm bothered. Now I want to go and teach these two guys a lesson, right? But he's freed up and he just goes and destroys them. And, you know, yes, I suppose he might have lost a little bit of locker room power if he hadn't won those matches. But the fact that he freed up made him play awesome, even more awesome than usual. Um, And then there's another version of him the one where he goes and rubs Alex Dimonor and Australia's face in it last year. Those are co- those are different causes to this one. This one is something that really matters to him, matters deep down in his soul. He desperately wants to to win this for his country. There's emotion at stake here. Now that may well make him play even better, but I think it also could make him stressed. Um, and I think Sinner's playing well enough to bring that into question, at least. Look, if, if Djokovic plays his best, he will still win. But I do wonder whether there might be a bit of stress on the horizon. Do you think Sinner's got more chance if Italy are 1-0 up or 1-0 down? Great question. I would say Sinner has more chance with Italy 1-0 up. Because then he, he could be loose and be free. Very free. Yeah. He, when he's loose and free, I think he's bloody dangerous. Now, Djokovic is an extraordinary competitor, and he's a, he finds ways to win even when somebody is loose. That's that's one of his superpowers: is winning even though the other guy is lethal and loose, and Djokovic still wins. It's, a, it's an incredible ability, yeah, well, but. Set two, set two we'll of the second match they played at the ATP Finals on Sunday. Djokovic tightened up big time in that second set, and Sinner didn't punish him for it because by that point, I think his head was scrambled by how different 
the match was to what what he had in the the plan he had in his head and to the the match they'd played in the group stages i think everything had kind of gone out the window for him and by the time the door opened a crack he he wasn't able to capitalize at all but there was a period of play midway through that second set where djokovic was there for the taking he tightened up so badly but because Sinner wasn't kind of loose loose enough by that stage to take advantage. We didn't kind of get to see it play out, but I do I see I see what you mean. If Sinner's loose and Djokovic tightens up. I think I think it'll be interesting. I think there'll be moments where we see that dynamic. I just think Djokovic will fight through it um, in the end. But just give me the doubles. <laughs> yeah, give uh, well, me the doubles. Well, that's it. I mean, and then if we get doubles, chances are we we see Sinner Djokovic again, just just on a doubles mm. call, which would be fun. I mean, and, and per- that's I'm actually more into that. I've seen a lot of Djokovic Sinner in singles. It's been great, but give me Sinner <laughs> versus Djokovic in doubles. Imagine an yeah. immediate <sighs> rematch. Ima- imagine. Right, if Sinner's playing second and Sinner finds a way to beat Djokovic and then they have the rematch in doubles. Oh. Djokovic isn't going to lose two matches in a row, though, is he? <laughs> just like he, yeah. just like he's never going to lose to Djokovic Sinner twice in a week. He's not, twice in a week. not going to lose to him twice, twice in an in afternoon. Twice in four hours. <laughs> mm. It's... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I mean... As you said, third meeting in 11 days, like, yes, okay, we, you know, we have seen it a lot recently, but this is kind of a, you know, it's a special period in the rivalry right now. And and, and they are the two informed players. And this is, this is what you want from the Davis Cup for the best players to be meeting, you know, and, and look, I love the Davis Cup when it gives you a romantic story like Finland, you know, how can you not be romantic about it? But Equally, part of the reason why the format changed is because very often you wouldn't get the top players coming up against each other. You know, Rafael Nadal is on this incredible Davis Cup winning streak of, I don't know, 26 matches or whatever. Novak Djokovic is also on a Davis Cup winning streak of 21 matches. Part of the reason they're both able to have these incredible winning streaks is because they never play each other in the Davis Cup. They haven't played each other in in, in this competition for, for so many years, whereas they're playing each other all the time on the tour. And I just think it's special that we've got, you know, a semi-final. Okay, might be even better if it was the final, but it's great that it's the semi-final. Two best players in the world right now are going to go up against each other. And that's what that's what you want. And it's going to be a different atmosphere to what it was on the tour. Um, and I, I think it's going to be great. I, th- I think it's going to... I think it's going to be more like their first match in Turin in terms of how close it is than their second one. I, 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 mm. I don't know. I can't see Djokovic just sort of swatting him aside like he did in that in that final. I, I think it's I think mm. it's going to be close. Yeah, I agree. It is. Oh, it's delicious! Can't wait. And it's an earlier start tomorrow, Matt. Is that right? It is. It's a twelve p.m. start in order. I think that's to give the winner a bit of recovery time because obviously you know right. uh, Australia have got have got an advantage there in 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 terms of that. Great. Okay, well, take advantage of an early night. David, sorry, three biz law, I should say. <laughs> early night for you. Yeah. It, or maybe maybe the night is still young. Maybe a Birmingham club awaits. <laughs> We're going at least four. <laughs> that, that's what I can promise you. And, and I will save my 
my big format rant for you for one of the remaining two podcasts. Okay. Is this a new Pretty rant? pumped for that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I might have said it a year ago at the end, but I'm going to say it again because I feel very passionate about it. Love it. Great. Okay. Fantastic tease. Uh, tune in to our two remaining Davis Cup podcasts tomorrow, folks. Another little tease for you. I will be in Malaga hey. with Matt making an on-site cameo. Excited. Returning to, returning to the Whitaker heartland. I don't know. I only found out this week that my great-grandparents lived in Fuenjirola. Uh, but exciting stuff. There we go. Uh, so, yes, brief cameo from me in Malaga. So we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, David's rant promised at some point over the weekend. We have our mascots. I think all of our predictions are still in play. No, Matt lost his today. <laughs> Matt and Maisie had... No. No, Matt and, <laughs> no, Matt and Darwin had Finland. Yeah. And it was fun while it lasted. It was. David and Maisie. Finland fun. David and Maisie have got Serbia and I've got Italy. Serbia. Vizania. So it's all on the line tomorrow, folks. Billy Jean. I had a little FaceTime with Billy Jean earlier. Uh, it was lovely stuff. I'll pop a picture of that on our Instagram if you fancy it. Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Ilana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. And the three of us are here, so we have shout-outs. Over to you, Matt. We have Michael in New York. Just Michael. Hello, Michael. Michael. Like Michael Chang. Michael Russell. Michael Moe. Michael Stick. <laughs> I've come up with two Grand Slam champions. We did Russell, Russell and Mo, <laughs> the biggies. <laughs> Mine with the nineties. What do we know about Michael? We know that he's been listening to the podcast since before the pandemic, and it's been a weekly routine that brings so much joy. He says, "Oh, oh. love that, Michael. Thanks, Thank you. Michael. Thank you very much." Yeah. We've also got. <laughs> I've just just freestyled his name. He probably hates Mike. <laughs> Let's see what you do with this one, Lisa Wiersma in Chicago. Hello, Lisa. Right, Lisa. Right, Lisa Raymond. And this yep. this is an excellent story. Uh, Lisa says, "I mostly listen to the pod." Walking my blue tick coonhound who has a tennis name, it's Cliffy, because I heard Pam Shriver refer to Cliff Drysdale by that name for years on ESPN coverage, and I loved it. Oh, should have called the dog Pam. Boy dog, boy dog. Very good point. (laughs) Still call it Pam. Call your next dog Pam. (laughs) Pammy. Pammy. Um, Cliffy is a, it's a good dog name, though, isn't it? Sensational. Well done, Pam. Uh, love that. Well done, Pam. Well done, Lisa. Well done, everyone. Thank you very much. And finally, for some reason, I've only got three written down today, despite promising four, but I'm afraid this is your lot. We have Geraint in Southwark in London. Oh, 
not far from me. I was very close to Southwark earlier, making my second trip in a month to the London Aquarium. <laughs> Can't stay away. I'm struggling for tennis names. Well, we've got Geraint Thomas, the cyclist, which is sport, at least. Better than either of you two mm. are doing. Correct. Well, I I would have also have come up with Thomas, but you name, got in there it? first. Welsh name. Southwark. Uh, Tom Daly lives in Southwark. <laughs> or he used to live in Southwark. I saw him once in a Tesco Express. Geraint Jones. Um, uh, That's a cricketer. <laughs> yes. No. Rugby player. No, Geraint Jones played... Um, oh, there's a Geraint was, rugby player was, that I'm probably. trying to think of as well. Probably half the Welsh rugby team yeah. are called Geraint, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Geraint Jones was the wicketkeeper at the 2005 yes. Ashes, I believe. Very good. I, I'm going to say confidently there are no tennis Geraints. This isn't us dropping the ball. This is just tennis letting us down. And letting you down, Geraint, quite frankly. It's not too late to turn pro. Uh, but thank you very much for your support. Thank you to all of our shout-out friends, our intro friends, all our friends of the Tennis Podcast that make this possible. If you'd like to get yourself a shout-out or an intro, the link to do that is in our show notes. And remember that in just uh, under, in fact, a couple of weeks' time, we will be reopening various categories for 2024. Pet mascots, executive producers... Uh, guest editors, all the fun stuff. So uh, more details to follow. But if you've got two pets, pick your pet now to be a mascot for 2024. Uh, right. <laughs> or if you don't have a pet, but you'd like to have a pet mascot, get a pet. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is the this is the the push you've been looking for. <laughs> the time is now. You also get a pet out of exactly it. a pet and a mascotdom. Double tick. Right. <laughs> uh, let's get this show off the road. Three beers, law. Thank you for your company tonight, Matt. Thank you for bringing some credibility to the show. Thank you for listening. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.